0: I am Connor Donahue, I'm the elementary minister here at First Christian and I've been learning a lot lately and I'm really excited just to kind of put it into practice, you know, not just talk about it but actually do it and see how it affects my life. One of the hardest things that you can do is not live a life that you're teaching to someone else. So. As I'm teaching the kids on a Sunday, every week, I'm learning something new for myself because I see the way that they are experiencing it. And I see that there's always something more for me to learn because they grasp things in such a beautiful way that sometimes I don't think of it in that way. But you can definitely tell that there are moments where God is just in control of what's happening. And you can tell that God is steering the conversations and they are understanding things in such a way that I know that I didn't teach them. So clearly the Holy Spirit's at work helping them to understand things in a way that makes sense to them. You know, I teach them every week. We learn about baptism, we learn about communion, we learn about why Jesus loves us. And then um, we ask them to do a baptism class if they want to learn more. And it is so incredible to see the moment when they get it, when their face just kind of lights up and they understand, like, this is a decision that I want to make. I want to follow Jesus with my whole life. And the next step I want to do is I want to be baptized. Um, And it's such a beautiful thing whenever they ask you to be the person to baptize them. And it means just so much to me to be the person to, you know, welcome them into the church and say, like, someday I'm going to cry. Someday, you know, I'm going to be in heaven and they're going to be there. And, And you could tell that they're just so excited. And there's a moment when you're baptizing someone when they come out of the water and they look at you and they're just so excited for the decision that they've made. And it really helps on days when it feels like they're not really understanding and when they're not really getting it, to remember that things take time and some at some point, the work that you're putting in is going to make a difference in their life. I am really excited to see how Cannonball is going to affect FCC kids in particular. Right now, we are using every inch of available space and it works and it works well but to see how we could grow from here and to see how many more kids can come and how many more lives are going to be affected by this. I think um, looking at the past, we can see how the different churches have decided like, okay, we are going to give and we are going to bless this generation so that the next few generations are going to be blessed also. And I'm really excited that this group of kids and the families that are here right now, they don't have to wait until they're older to be generous, that they can do it right now, just as they are. They get to experience that. They get to be the one to say like, I am giving so that in the future, someone else will be able to learn about Jesus because of this. So as I'm teaching the kids about generosity, I'm also learning a lot about it myself. I think one of the hardest things about being generous is just the lack of control. And it's saying that, God, I will give you more than I feel comfortable giving, because sometimes there are weeks and months where I'm just kind of going paycheck to paycheck. I'm just trying to get through. And in those moments, I think the human part of me wants to say well God understands how about I just not give this time and next time I'll give a little more um but that's not really how generosity works that's not how giving works instead it comes from a place of even though I have so little I decide to say that God I know that this is still important for you and you know just like the widow's offering it's not about how much you give it's about the heart behind why you give it's totally understandable that somebody might be nervous or skeptical and, you know, we all have different feelings and emotions. And first of all, that's all right. You're allowed to have those. Um, but I think that I would just say to encourage someone that you can do it just as you are. Like You don't need to wait until you're fully excited about it. You don't need to wait until you have a lot of money to give. You are able to give right now. Because we do all kinds of worship here at the church. And this is a chance for you to worship and show God that, you know, even in your confusion, even in your skepticism, you're still going to worship God in this way. And that is an incredible sacrifice to make. I love the image of a cannonball because there's the moment when you're just kind of in the air. And you realize that you have no control <laughs> over this situation, that gravity is gonna do its thing and you're going down. And that's such a freeing moment that moment when you're just kind of hanging there and you realize that it's okay that you're not in control because God is in control. So I would just say that, you know, wherever you are in your faith journey, wherever you are about thinking about Cannonball, to just give it a try and just say like, God, I'm going to fully commit to this and I'm going to allow you to work. So that's what I'm most excited for is trying to let God be control and just allowing for generosity to be in all the areas of my life. Because once you start being generous in one area, it really flows into all the other areas of your life as well. I'm going to do it with a full heart that's ready to serve God and see how that's really going to affect the world around me.
1: Well, good morning, church. It is good to be together. Uh, my name is Ethan. I am so glad you're here. Let's see if you've been paying attention. We are almost done with our series, and it's called... You've been barely paying attention, but you're clearly not very excited about it, but that's all right. Uh, I'll be excited for the both of us. Uh, Let's see, Uh, if you don't have a book with you, you're gonna need one of these books. You got some people walking around, handing them out. Maybe you have never got one. Great, put your hand up, we'll give you one. Maybe you got one in the past, but you left it at home. Fine, we'll give you another one. We want you to have one with you. Put a hand up in the air if you need one of these uh, books. If you're taking notes, turn to page 59. Turn to page 59 if you're taking notes. And, um, and Connor was right. She's figured out what this series is about. Uh, this series is about that moment where you get tired of staring at your toes, wondering if you'll go all in, and you jump. And then, like she says, gravity takes over and gravity does its thing. And you sort of lose control because you've decided to let God be in control of everything. And when we do that, when we jump all in, fully surrendering our lives to God, God makes waves. And I'm so excited as we already begin to see God do that. Man, we had a great time at Advanced Commitment Night last Sunday night. A lot of you were there. It was an amazing time. So many testimonies of people who are ready to take a step of faith and begin to serve and live and give in new and sacrificial ways because of what Cannonball is doing in their life. Uh, We even did some Cannonballs. We got a video here. That was fun. We had a good time. It was a lot of fun. And, um, and, and the more I talk to people and the deeper we've gotten on this cannonball journey, the more excited I am. Uh, I'm excited about people who are taking steps of generosity that are just going to kind of catapult the legacy and impact of our church for generations to come. Uh, but m- the main thing I discovered I'm excited about is all the conversations I'm having with people that are recognizing that this cannonball season is the moment that God is asking them to make some significant changes in their lives for the glory of God, for the good of their neighbors. Uh, last Sunday night, at Advanced Commitment Night, I talked to somebody who said, I'm gonna lead a group. We've already started and I'm just gonna keep leading it. I know this is what God, this is my, I know God's called me to lead a group or I'm gonna serve with students. Uh, somebody said, "Even I've already done my first cannonball. I was like, oh, what's that? I said, well, uh, don't worry. We're going to make a commitment. We're figuring that out. But I already signed up for Love Month. I've been hearing you talk about Love Month for five years and never signed up. But, but I, I signed up this year because of Cannonball. That, they, they, they were they were all in. Somebody told me, I'm, I'm changing the way I manage my money so that I can put God first. Another person said, I'm going to join the church and I'm going to get baptized. Because I've been sort of sitting on the edges and it's time for me to go all in with serving God as a part of this church. And, and honestly, the same thing is happening in my life. This cannonball process, God is challenging me and changing me. And, and I'm excited for Commitment Sunday. That's next week. We're going to all make some commitments. But what I've discovered is that already God is calling me to make some commitments. My prayer life has been full lately with the challenge of God on my life. I basically, I can't take five seconds to pray without the Spirit of God saying, Ethan, are you ready to go all in? Are you ready for deeper surrender and fuller surrender? Are you ready to walk away from that habit that you've been nurturing for 20 years that does not honor me? Are you, you going to surrender that? Is, will this be the time? I feel like I'm wrestling with the question, will I follow Christ or will I walk away sad? And I, I just want you to know, I am ready to take the plunge. I, I, I have to take no joy in standing on the edge of diving boards. I want to I wanna go all in. Uh, this moment so many of us are in, it reminds me of, um, of a passage from the odd little book that C.S. Lewis wrote called The Screwtape Letters. I don't know if you have know this book, maybe you've read it. It's a wonderful little book. I, I do happen to love it, but it is weird. It's a weird book, I will tell you that. Um, it's a fiction book, and the idea of the book, you'll you'll see how weird a book it is as soon as I tell you the idea. The idea of the book is it's two demons that are writing letters to each other about how to destroy the life of this One young man that they're working on. They're trying to destroy his life and lead him away from God. And so they write these letters as they strategize. And the third letter, the kind of the senior demon, the boss demon, is writing to his assistant because the young man has just become a Christian. And this is obviously a problem in their strategy to destroy his life. And here's what he writes. I note with grave displeasure that your patient has become a Christian. Do not indulge the hope that you will escape the usual punishments. In the meantime, though, we must make the best of this bad situation. And then he says this. This is one demon to another. How are they going to destroy this guy's life? They say, there is no need to despair. Hundreds of these adult converts have been reclaimed after a brief sojourn in God's camp, and they are now back safely with us. Because all the habits of this patient, both mental and bodily, are still in our favor. All the habits of life still tie them to the world. All their habits still point them away from God. And this is our reality too. When we start following Christ, with our lips, we pledge our loyalty. And with our hearts, we long to be obedient. But our habits, all of our habits still work against us. And sometimes we even settle for this, don't we? We settle for a life that is patterned away from Jesus. As if we say, I'm saved. Why do I need to submit? I'm saved. Why do I need to surrender? Like, did you know that if you register for the turkey trot and pay your entrance fee, they give you the t-shirt in advance? Did you know that? You don't actually have to run. So all those people you see in early December walking around town wearing their turkey trot t-shirt, they probably just paid for it. See, you don't have to run the race to get a turkey trot t-shirt. And some of us are kind of trying to follow Jesus like that. Like we got the t-shirt and we're a Christian and we show up at church every once in a while, but we have decided to indulge a set of habits that point us away from the Lordship of Christ. I want you to pause with that for just a second, okay? Just for a second. Admit that it's possible I'm talking about you. Not somebody else. Not the person you're thinking of. Just for a second, be humble enough to admit that it's pretty easy to claim the name Christian but to indulge a set of habits that point away from the lordship of Christ, Just for a second, be humble enough to recognize that God might have more for you in your life of faith than you are currently experiencing. That you may have settled for a life with habits that actually are designed to resist the lordship of God. It could be. We talked about money last week. It could be with your habits of money. Most of us have financial habits that are designed to keep control rather than surrender control. That's just most of us. Our financial habits are designed in rebellion against God. That's just most of us, which means it could be you. Maybe it's your habits with prayer or your habit of trust. Or your habit of the indulgence of your flesh. You have habits around the indulgence of your flesh that are not surrendered to Jesus. Or your habit of ignoring the needs of the poor. Or your habit of never resting, always striving, always working, like you've always got something to prove. Or your habit of not showing grace to other people. You know? That's why cannonball is not just about growing in generosity. But cannonball is about all the ways in which we need to be transformed. Cannonball is about a full surrender to Jesus. That's the image, right? The image that we can stand on the board and stay in control or we can jump. And surrender to Christ. Because there is an alternative. There is an alternative to to getting the t-shirt but never running the race. There is an alternative to claiming Jesus as Lord but not actually organizing your life under his lordship. There's an alternative to just accepting all these habits that pull us away from God and pull us toward rebellion and pull us away from the life God wants for us. Paul describes that alternative in Romans chapter 12. He says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. That phrase is important. He says, stare at the mercy of God. If we lose sight of the mercy of God, we will never do what he's about to tell us to do, okay? If you take your eyes off the mercy of God, you will never do this next part. So he says, stare at the mercy of God. Hold fast to the mercy of God. And while you are unblinkingly giving your undivided attention to the mercy of God in view of the mercy of God, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Climb up on the altar. And say, God, take my life. Take my life. This is holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. He goes on, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. And when you hear the call of God framed in this way, this is radical. This is difficult stuff. Do not pretend that obedience to Jesus is easy for obedience to Jesus is the act of crawling up onto the altar and saying that which I have kept from you, God, I now release to you. But as hard as this is, this is is basic Christianity. I mean, this is the thing. This is, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Christianity. This is the life I now live in the body. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Christianity. This is whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Christianity. Christianity. And it'd be easy to find an influencer on TikTok or Facebook who would say, follow your heart. And God would say, the heart is deceitful above all else. Or to find a friend who would say, you got to kind of keep up with the world these days. Things are are moving fast. You got to keep up with the world. And God says, the world is passing away. And you can find anybody who will tell you, you got to look out for number one. Put your life first. And Jesus will say, whoever wants to save their life will have to lose it. And that's the only way. If you're trying to save your life, you're going you're to you're lose it. But if you lose your life for me, you'll find it. And here's the thing, I don't know anybody who does that on autopilot. I don't know anybody whose natural disposition is the surrender of self to the lordship of God. I guess what I'm saying is, if you haven't felt like you had to lay something on the altar lately if it's been a while since you recognized that you had to get on your knees and offer up to God some place of rebellion, then I'm worried that you might have stopped following Jesus. Because if following Jesus isn't changing you and challenging you, are you sure you're following Jesus? Are you sure you're still listening? Because listen, here's the thing. If you and I are both at the pool, come this summer, we both wind up at the pool, and you're not soaked, then I don't think you did a cannonball. Now, just to be clear. Like if you're only wet up to your knees, I don't think you went all in. Or, or maybe you did a cannonball, but it was so long ago. It's been so long since you just absolutely immersed yourself in the lordship of God. It's been so long that you've sort of sat in the sun long enough and you've kind of dried off. The thing about a cannonball is you lose control of how far under the water you go. That's why we don't like it. Because we lose control. That's why we like the stairs and the ladder And the wading pool. Because then we're in control. Of how wet we get. And some of us. Are dipping our toes. Into discipleship. We're wading. Into worship. And God says. If you want to worship me. You'll need to climb up on an altar. Climb up on an altar. Full surrender. Hold nothing back. If you're trying to save your life, you're going to lose it. But if you will lose your life for my sake, you will find it. And God says that and we answer back, I don't know God, I already got the t-shirt. Are you sure I have to run the race? We say to one another, I think God's pretty happy with my partial commitment. I think God is just so glad I'm on the team and I go to church. I don't think I need to do that altar dying to self stuff. I think I'm fine. And if that's the posture you've gotten yourself into, then keep reading with me in Romans 12. If you need a Bible, grab one out of the chair in front of you. Keep reading with me in Romans 12. Because here's what Paul says. He says, by the grace given to me, I want to say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. I would say that to you today. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Don't leave me alone up here, church. Don't let me be the only one asking God to use cannonball to drive me back to the depths of surrender. Don't let me be the only one asking God to use cannonball to bring me back to an altar. And say, God, that which has not been sacrificed in me, put it to death, that it might be true in me, that the only thing that lives in me is Christ. Don't kid yourself and think that you can honestly say, I want God to have my heart, but I will not put my wealth on the altar. Because Jesus says your heart follows your wealth. Don't think we can honestly say, I want my neighbors to know that I love them, but I will not put my time on the altar. Or I want to know God's word. I want to keep my mind more focused on God's word, but I'm going to spend more time on Facebook than I do on the Bible because I am not willing to lay my mind down on the altar. Don't think we can say, I want community and restored relationships with my family, but I will not forgive them because I will not lay my revenge down on the altar. Or I want my church to reach the next generation and the lost in our community and feed the hungry and care for the poor, but I'm not going to serve because I will not put my schedule down on the altar. What is that which you have decided you're in control of? Because as long as you are in control of what God gets to control, then God is not in control. And Jesus is asking you to follow him. Jesus is asking you to go all in. We've talked about so many things. Uh, maybe you're wondering, you know, you say, Ethan, are you saying that surrender to Jesus is, is all about, just about financial generosity? Well, of course not. But don't pretend you can be surrendered to Jesus without sacrificial generosity. Or, 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 you know, you talk a lot about purity and stuff like that. Are you saying that surrender to Jesus is just all about purity? Well, of course not. But don't think you can be surrendered to Jesus without the pursuit of purity. Is surrender to Jesus all about service or study or love of neighbor or care for the poor or discipleship or evangelism? Well, no. But don't think you get to opt out of some part of total surrender. It's just really important. This is a confusion many of us live under. Don't think you can surrender Part of your life to Jesus and call it a truce. That's an illusion. Jesus will accept your surrender, but he will not negotiate it, for he is the king. The only kind of surrender you can do to a king is complete surrender. Don't think you can give Jesus half your life and keep half and call it square. He gave his whole life for you, and that is the only gift he will receive in return. And I know, full surrender sounds bad, right? I get it. It, Surrender sounds like you you lost, right? That you know you lost when when you surrender. But not so with Jesus. With Jesus, the moment of surrender is actually just admitting that you were already on the losing side of things. You were already on the side of rebellion. You were on the side of death. Most importantly, you were on the side of your own death. And surrender is not the moment of defeat. Surrender is the moment of victory. Because when we surrender to the Lordship of Christ, now instead of Christ winning a victory over us, now Christ wins a victory for us. Surrender sounds like losing, but it is the only path to victory. This is why Jesus says, come to me when you're weary. When the fight's too much and you realize you can't handle it, And you're trying to be in control, but you're really out of control. Come to me, everybody who's tired. I'll give you rest. Surrender to my yoke and you'll find rest. What does it look like when we do surrender? Give up our fight against his lordship and receive his lordship over us. Well, we'll look on with me in Romans chapter 12, verse 9. It looks like this, Paul says. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal. Keep your spiritual fervor. Serve the Lord. Be joyful in hope and patient in affliction and faithful in prayer. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it's written, it's mine to avenge our pace, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Doing this, you'll heap coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I'd take that life, wouldn't you? I mean, imagine if you could live <clears throat> among a people who lived like that, you know? Imagine if that's the way your family related to each other and then your church related to each other and then your, your, your city and your, your county and your state and your nation and the world. I would take a life like that. And you can have it. You can have a life like that. And what does it take to get that kind of life? Well, you'll have to lose yours. Because if you want a life like that, you'll have to lose yours because yours doesn't look like that. What does it take to get that life, the life of Christ alive in you? It takes full surrender to Jesus. You will not find the life you desire as you stare at your toes and think about going all in. You will not find the life you desire as you sit on the edge and let your feet dangle or wade in the shallow end, wet up to your knees. The life we want The life we were made for, the life we most passionately and profoundly desire, is only available when we give up the life that we have. And Cannonball is about that. It's going to take two years because it's going to take two years. And longer besides. It's going to be a lifetime of climbing back up onto the altar and saying, God, take my life again that I might have yours. Some of us are going to use cannonball as a chance to finally take seriously some habits that have been pulling us away from God. Some of us have a habit of greed. In fact, most of us do. Most of us act as if it's our money and we decide what to do with it. We are lords of our wallets. And God says, I need you to put that on the altar. Cannonball is a chance to change that. Some of you may, if you, if you, if you get time, uh, you might want to look at the material on page 21. It just describes what it would look like for you to increase in, in, in surrendering your generosity to Jesus. It's it, it material I didn't write. We got it from somewhere else. It has, just, it has really challenged my life in that area. There are other habits, though. Other patterns where, where the next step for you is surrender. That's the next step. Maybe it's a habit of a judgmental spirit, or maybe it's a habit of laziness in service to the church, or maybe it's a habit of bitterness to a neighbor. Maybe it's just a habit of never opening your mouth and telling anybody about Jesus ever. That's just your habit. Maybe it's a habit, I don't know, you tell me. You probably know. What are the habits you've been cultivating that draw you away from the lordship of Jesus? How about we just do a cannonball together and just go all in? Wouldn't that be better if we just fully surrendered? And you'll pray for me and I'll pray for you that we could just climb back up on the altar and die to this life so that we might live to Christ. I think about Moses. I was listening to a bunch of sermons this week. I sometimes do that. And um, I heard a sermon by a mentor friend of mine who was talking about Moses' moment of surrender, his cannonball moment. Uh, this is Moses. Uh, this is before all the big stuff. Um, you might not know Moses very well. Moses, big, big career. Moses. He uh, led the Israelites out of Egypt. He led them across the Red Sea. He hit a rock with a stick, and water came out of it. Big career. Moses. Big guy. Did a lot of good stuff. But before all that, he was a shepherd, hiding um, for forty years. He was a shepherd hiding. And he has this encounter with God and God calls him to a new calling. And Moses isn't so sure. And so God says to Moses, hey Moses, what's that in your hand? And he says, oh, that's my shepherd's staff. That, that staff meant a lot to Moses, I expect. It was the symbol of his profession. It was his source of protection against wild animals. It was his tool by which he worked. It was his identity, his security. And God says to him, um, throw it down. Throw it down. Now, now in that moment, I'd, ever, I'd, always notice, I'd always focus on the splash. If you know the story, as soon as he does throw it down, God accomplishes a miracle, and that miracle becomes the foundation for Moses' whole amazing ministry. I'd read that story a bunch. I'd always focused on the, on the splash, on what God does. It's amazing what God does. But it, but it starts with the jump. And the jump for Moses is just to throw down that which he holds on to, that is his identity, his glory, his protection. I can imagine Moses saying, well, I mean, God, I could get that. How about I throw down that stick? 'Cause this is my, my special shepherd stick, you know. This is like my, my best stick. It's my, my favorite. I carved this stick probably, you know. I've done a lot of work on this stick. This is my, my sort of my favorite stick. And God says, No, I want I want you to throw down that stick. And and he does. And he does. And and some of us we are clinging to something. You know, the reason we don't wanna go all in is we don't want our phone to get wet, or our wallet to get wet, or our work to get wet, or our stick to get wet. That part of us, that, that habit, that pattern around which we have built our identity. And for some of us, we have. We have attached our security to how much money we've got saved up. Or we've attached our, our importance to whatever job we work. Or we've attached our very who we are is some, we've got some self-indulgent habit and we have attached our identity to that. That's who I am. Not who God says I am, but that's who I am. And we've tried to make some sort of negotiated surrender with Jesus. And we're like, Jesus, I will give you that and that and that and those three things I don't even care about, I'll definitely give you those. But these, these little things, these I'm gonna hold back, these are for me, Jesus. And Jesus did, does not negotiate the terms of our surrender, and I just think it, it's it's time I think it's time for us to go all in, all over all again and, and next week um, we're on is commitment Sunday it's going to be a big Sunday we're going to make some commitments together and, and for for a lot of us. Um, you know, a big part of this is going to be our financial commitment. We do need to be financially committed to the work of God's kingdom. There's no, there's no exception to that, you know. Part of that is because for most of us, how we manage our money is an area where we are not fully surrendered to God. Just, just true. Most of us have not fully surrendered our finances to God. And so if we want to be fully surrendered, we're going to have to make some financial commitments, uh, for that we're going to use this card you when we pass out these books you've gotten one we'll have more of them next week if you've lost yours that's fine you can get one from me you can also go online and look at the card online we've got it there it's going to help us think the card is just a way to help you think about your commitment it's going to help you think about how do you need to how are you already giving praise God for that how do you need to expand your giving What stored resources has God given you control over and you need to release back to his control? This card will help us do that. You can, like I say, you can look at it online. You can do that. But our only commitment won't be our financial commitments. We are committing to jump into generosity, yes, but also to jump into life, a life patterned after Jesus. And for some of you, that is the barrier. That's the part of you you're trying to keep out of the water, to jump into faith. And so I just want to challenge you. I want you to come ready next week. Come ready next week. We've got a little devotion on page 67 in your books. Maybe you want to do that. Just set aside some time and think about the commitments you're making. Work with the card take the card study the card if you need to have conversations have the conversations you need Use the online card if you've lost this card if you look on page 19 in your booklets There's a sample card there. You can look at that and we'll give you a new card next week But more than just what you plan for your giving Plan for full surrender Plan to say to Christ, count the cost. Stay in prayer this week. And be ready to say to Jesus next week, not my life, but yours. Take me back to the altar. This is my true and proper worship. I want to remind you of our main goal for Cannonball. Our main goal for Cannonball is 100% engagement. That every single person who calls this church home, maybe you're a member, maybe you've just been coming a lot, you haven't joined the church yet, maybe you're just checking us out, whatever, that's whatever. 100% of us would be all in on this cannonball journey. That 100% of us would make a financial commitment to the the, the stage of work that we've gotta do, build a building, all this stuff. 100% of us would make a life commitment to worship and service and discipleship and evangelism. And 100% of us would make a faith commitment of total surrender to Jesus so that he would be Lord over every inch of your life. Some of you to do that are going to need to get baptized next week. I'm going to invite you to do that. Come ready. Some of you, it's time. You've never made this commitment and it's time for you to just go all in. The time for standing on the edge is over. Some of you, it's a surrender of a habit that is pulling you away from Jesus and it's time for you to admit it and confess it and get help and seek the Lordship of Christ. For all of us, the dream, the desire of God's heart and mine, is that Christ would have complete victory in your life eternally and today let's pray for that God I ask that the conviction of your Holy Spirit would be upon us that we would be awakened to the places and the pockets of rebellion still in our lives for many of us to submit to you is going to require a new move of surrender God Give us the strength by the power of your spirit to to, to do such a thing, to trust you enough with our lives that we repent and turn and give and trust and sacrifice, knowing that it's only as we choose to lose our life for your sake that we will find the life we were made for, God. This is our desire. Bring us to our knees as we worship you